Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is blended online and in-person worship services. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea or strap on your running shoes, pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzalo and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so we are slowly making our way out of a pandemic. And this means some sort of a transition at some point to going from Zoom back to in-person. Mm-hmm. And everybody's kind of curious, just what is that going to look like? And that's yeah. exactly what we're going to try to talk about today. Yeah. And I want to put the disclaimer out that I don't know exactly what it's going to look like for Central and We know that for many congregations, that is changing daily and Uh making a difference week to week. So we're going to talk about some of the conversations that are floating out there in the world, but what we see at Central may turn out to be something completely different. Yeah. We'll find out. Because we're flexible like that. We gotta be. You really do. Okay, so let's start with some basics. I know that Central has live streamed their service for a very long time. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely before we did anything Zoom-ish. What is the difference? What does live streaming have that Zoom doesn't and vice versa? Good question. It's very interesting. Right now, technically, in some ways, we are doing both Both. Zoom and live stream. Okay. Because we stream our service over to Facebook. And so that's a live stream experience. But the difference between holding a Zoom worship service the way that we have been doing versus live streaming our worship service like we used to is the interactivity. Okay. So our old services pre-pandemic, we had my phone most of the time for a couple of weeks right at the end. We had a new camera. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. We had just moved into the new camera, new technology, new techniques. We were like zooming in on people and all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. We got about two weeks of that before (laughs) the pandemic arrived and sent us all home. And so what that really was, was our Facebook opportunity for people to watch at home. Okay. We would maybe pass the peace with folks. I would mention them in sermon. We would wave and those kinds of things to the camera, recognizing that there were people who absolutely did log in on a weekly basis through our live stream service. But we weren't paying attention during the service in the church who was watching the live stream and who wasn't. Right. And we didn't have anybody who was stationing that. right? Exactly. There was no one interacting with the comments. We didn't have a moderator. It really was just my cell phone on a tripod most of the time. And so the Zoom service, where everyone who is attending worship is logging in online, all of the participants are there online. So our lector, our assisting minister, all of the pieces that our people normally take part in, morning announcements, all of that, all happen interactively in Zoom together. Mm Mm-hmm. That is still streamed over to Facebook, and occasionally during the service, I'm able to pop over to see the Facebook stream and respond to a comment or two or like a passing of the piece or something like that. When I do that, I can't see the Zoom congregation. Okay. So I don't pop over very often to that, but it is happening, and we can kind of see who's present via Facebook. 
what folks are dreaming of for the future is how do we maintain the accessibility for homebound and for people who are at a distance or for folks who are not feeling well or any of those kinds of pieces? How do we maintain the interactive accessibility that Zoom affords us and being able to see each other's faces and pass the piece with one another from a distance? How do we maintain that when we return to holding services primarily in person on Sunday morning? And how do we incorporate the people on Zoom with the people in the room? Mm -hmm. And how do we continue to keep them interactive? There's a lot of debate going on among people of all faiths right now as to whether or not best practice is to try to incorporate them all together Mm -hmm. or keep them separated. Okay. Like you just are always going to have your in-person and it's just going to be a camera on a tripod kind of thing, keep them separated? Or have your in-person worship that is your in-person worship and hold your Zoom worship that is Zoom worship. So kind of like you would have two separate worship times, but instead Mm -hmm. of having them both in person or on Zoom, you would do one in person and one on Zoom. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Which comes back to the same kind of dynamics that you end up with congregations who do have multiple service times Mm -hmm. and different service styles. Sure. Right. It's one thing to have different service times when your services are the exact same. You're just doing the same service at eight and one at 10 and one at 12 because your capacity of your room is such that you need to have multiple services. Or you just have that many people, right? In the Midwest, that's far more common. Totally. And so that is an option is that each service is the exact same service. It's just at multiple times for attendance. Another way that many congregations choose to do it is then they flavor each of these different timed services. Sure, you have more classic and one more contemporary. Exactly. And then you start to have congregations that feel like separate congregations. Oh, yeah. My parents' church, remember, they're Catholic. They have services specifically in Spanish, Mm -hmm. right? You start to really separate who's going to what for what reasons. And the integration of community begins to break down. Totally. So Central has not had the challenge of needing to have multiple services because we have a room that seats 500. (laughs) It's quite large for the number of people who typically attend, yes. And in the Pacific Northwest, a 500-person attended worship service is not a very common thing. No. Even for our largest congregations in the state. So we have not had the pressure of needing to expand to multiple services because of attendance. Well, the other thing I remember in the Midwest, again, this was a Catholic church, you would have a Saturday night service, and I'm not sure what necessarily made that possible, if they just had people who couldn't come on Sunday for some reason, or if that was the only way to get the teenagers to show up because they could sleep in Sunday morning. (laughs) I don't know. But that's another possibility for maybe it's easier for young kids to come on a Saturday night versus a Sunday morning. Who knows? And in my last call, we had a Monday night service. Whoa, that I've never heard of. Yeah. And so we did hold an evening prayer setting every Monday night. Shorter service. Sure. Simpler, but still had the same sermon from Sunday morning. 
and the same liturgy every week, no matter the season or the time. So people who really thrived with a smaller congregation and the consistency of the same liturgy and the same music Mm -hmm. and for whom that was a deep and abiding comfort really thrived with that Monday night service time. So there are lots of opportunities, but at the same time, you start to not split up the congregation, but people begin to lose that integration with one another. Well, and let's be honest, you got to have people to do this, right? And Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of people to put on any sort of a worship service. And if you're going to have volunteers, great. But if you're begging for people every week, it's not so fun. And it's hard to run a Zoom service. It is. And not that it's easier to run in person, right? You still need to have ushers and worship assistants and lectors and counters and all the things that go with in-person services. And online, you need a producer and an Mm -hmm. isher and our lector and our assisting minister Mm -hmm. and our presiding person and our preacher. To help it run smoothly, yeah. To get it to run smoothly. And it's hard Mm -hmm. to have 25 volunteers needed on a given week. To make everything run smoothly. Uh It's hard to need six volunteers every week to get things to run smoothly. Yeah, it seems like in an in-person setting, more often than not, I've been nudged. Hey, can you help me do X, Y, or Z last minute? Mm -hmm. You can far more easily pull somebody out of the congregation for any help you'd need for an in-person worship setting. Yep. So I'm not sure how it will flow, but I do think that we will begin by trying to find a way to blend Zoom and in-person together at the same time. Okay. To find some way to do them all at once instead of creating the need to produce two different worship services at different times. And part of that for us in our community is that it it is purely about maintaining relationship with one another. Mm -hmm. We've not had multiple services. We've not had a separation. And so to begin a separation, I think would really not feel great after such a long time at a distance from one another. Mm -hmm. And so we will try to figure out, we are actively trying to figure out what does it mean to hold these services together and how do we do it well And therefore, what technology do we need in place to be able to have it function well? Sure. Let me ask you this. For some of the things that we've learned this past year in the pandemic, like masks and cold and flu season, really Mm. seem to make sense. (laughs) Do you hope to incorporate some of this? Not that you can require people to wear masks, but you can certainly encourage them to. In the past, you've done things like using your hand to give the peace sign instead of shaking hands during cold and flu season. Yeah. So because we have an amazing physician among us who often would speak with me, you know, cold and flu season starting. Sure. Don't have people shake hands. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Which I love. We already had the hand sanitizer Mm -hmm. in every pew pre-pandemic and We did have already kind of, you know, you can fist bump, you can bow, you can wave, you can flash a peace sign with your fingers, you can do anything that feels comfortable to you. It's also a great way to practice consent in touching. Sure. To be able to give people permission that they don't have to be touched when they come to church, because for some folks, that's a real issue. 
And so it would give people permission to find other ways to offer the peace and be in community with each other that don't require touch. So we carried that all year round and reminded people of it a lot during cold and flu season. I think there are probably several folks who will continue to wear masks, mm-hmm. especially during cold and flu season. Mm-hmm. And I hope that we can come to a point where that is comfortable, where we don't remark on it, where we don't have to feel awkward or weird for folks who choose to mask up and remain masked in our sanctuary. It will be hopefully just part of respecting and loving one another. Oh, yeah. I'm incredibly jealous of the communities out there that have normalized wearing masks in many situations. And I I hope to help make that a reality for this particular area as well. Yeah. And I think I would like to see ways in which I was already at the time of communion having everyone clean their hands with hand sanitizer before we served communion. Sure. We already did that pretty publicly in the front of the sanctuary. I actually kind of liked blessing the meal and then having all the servers step out to the bathroom that is right alongside the outside of the sanctuary. We have a restroom Mm -hmm. that is very close to the sanctuary doors where we could step out to the side and all wash our hands while the congregation sang a verse of Amazing Grace or some other kind of very familiar hymn. We did that for I think the three last weeks before closing down for the pandemic, because we were already beginning to increase hand cleaning hygiene and making it clear what we were doing and we were changing how we were serving communion. So when we return, I wonder whether or not that will remain. There's actually a part of the liturgy called the lavabo, which is to wash. Okay. That goes way back of the priest formally washing their hands during preparation for communion. So there are ways in which we can reincorporate some of those kinds of pieces within the liturgy itself as well. And And? we don't know exactly what we will or won't be doing in our liturgy when we return, especially when we first return, because that will depend upon when we first return and what the restrictions are and who is in attendance. And so there's still lots of pieces up in the air. Yeah. I mean, proof of vaccination is one thing, but just the fact that there are a number of kids in the congregation who are below the age of vaccination possibilities. So you need to account for that. And I think there are many places in this country that have conveniently forgotten that there are 11-year-olds and younger. Yeah. And we have the blessing in our congregation. I think it was three years ago now, probably, where we had taken the age range of our congregation and broken it down by percentage. Mm -hmm. And it was really amazing that we had basically 10% in every decade of life across 100 years. The only two that we did not have 10% of our congregation in were those who were 90 to 100, Uh for obvious reasons, Sure, and 10 to 20. At that time, we didn't have as many in that 10 to 20 range. That has increased because our zero to tens are aging up. Mm -hmm. And we pretty much have 10%, which means that 10 to 15% of our entire membership of our congregation remains ineligible for vaccination. Mm -hmm. And when we think of our numbers on Sunday morning, how many attend, when we have our young families present, we can have up to 20 to 25 people on our Sunday 
who are families with those on, under the age of 12. Mm-hmm. Our average attendance pre-pandemic was about 75. That's a third. A third of our average attendance are young families with kids ineligible for vaccination. Uh-huh. That's a big deal. Yeah, that changes a lot of what you can and can't do comfortably. And how you keep them safe. Yeah. You know, the studies on what long-term impacts are, are yet inconclusive, even for mild cases. And these are kids we're talking about. So I think it's so hard when so many are eligible, right? 90% of our people are eligible for vaccination. And I would say 99% of our eligible population in our congregation have been vaccinated. But 10% remain ineligible. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a challenge. It is. Would you do something that's a kids-only service? Although that also seems unlikely because now you have all the unvaccinated together inside in a space. And that (laughs) does not sound like a great idea. Well, what we're doing this summer definitely is that we are holding in-person services, just not in that Sunday morning 1015 time slot. Okay. So that's our first step towards moving back to in-person services is that we are holding multiple services this summer outdoors with masks on so we don't have to ask people their vaccination status and Mm -hmm. anyone can come. And we are having small groups so that people who have been isolated for a long time aren't overwhelmed by a whole bunch of people all at once. We can reconnect with one another, have important conversations and worship and receive communion together. So we're doing that outdoors, and we are specifically holding one of those services for the young families. Okay. In a location where the kids can run and play. Nice. And we have a vacation Bible school too right Mm -hmm. now. It's going on this week. So we're creating spaces where the kids remain masked, where everyone remains masked, so that the kids remain safe. And finding ways to begin that step towards having in-person worship services together outdoors as we figure this out. Moving back to indoor worship services, more questions are there. Do we have the services on Sunday mornings? Do we begin to have some indoor services that are not on Sunday morning so that we can invite groups of people? Like say we, we invite for a small group worship Anyone over the age of 60. Sure. And we start to do it that way, but it's not our Sunday morning, all our invited service. That continues to be safe enough that the kids can come. Yeah. My other question to you was, do you start pulling things out that are obvious, I'm going to say germ spreaders, right? Do you not sing hymns? Do you just have canned music that we all listen to? Or what does communion look like? Mm -hmm. These are the compromises that congregations are making as they return to in-person worship. Mm -hmm. That's a conversation that is ongoing among church leadership right now. Where do you see this conversation happening most? Do you see it coming from the ELCA itself or is it amongst pastors in churches all across the country? It's happening at both of those levels. Mm -hmm. For Central, it's happening among executive committee, worship planning committee, and our safety committee, our committee that has been working this entire, for quite a while now, Mm -hmm. looking at recommendations from the CDC and Oregon Health Authority and 
consulting with science and those kinds of pieces. And so that team is having the conversation with the worship planning team and exec about what is safe and how do we move forward. Okay. So anybody who understands Lutherans understands that we tend to spread out and nobody really wants to sit in the front row. (laughs) So the social distancing aspect of this isn't necessarily going to be a compromise I think we would have to make, although there's always the balcony, which is Mm -hmm. underutilized at best. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you can think of that may either have to be sidelined for a bit or something else that's going to have to change? Well, as we're looking at this, it is the compromises around things like how do we do music safely Mm -hmm. and how do we serve communion safely? Mm -hmm. Those are the two kind of big points, which I think are two of the big experiences that make Lutherans feel like they've attended worship. Oh, yeah. Right. And so it's really hard to say we're going to have two people whose vaccination status they have voluntarily proven who are doing any singing and everyone else has to sit silent. Like, Uh I don't know that Lutherans can do that. I don't either. I think I would much rather wear a mask and hum along if nothing else. Even masked. It's a concern. Yeah. It's a it's so hard. Right. So singing even outdoors remains recommended that we don't do. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Which is hard. Yeah. Super hard. And serving communion is a challenge. We had a huge discussion about that at the beginning of all this, just in terms of the many ways that people will do communion and amongst the common ones, which seemed most hygienic. Mm -hmm. It still blows my mind that the common cup ends up being more hygienic than anything else. (laughs) Right? But some folks that I've heard of who are buying the pre-packaged and handing it out as people leave. Oh, the environmental part of me is like, oh, I can't. I just can't. And the accessibility part of me is I hate it because someone who doesn't have the dexterity with their fingers. Well, at any age, right, I can guarantee you I've seen little kids who can't get the yogurt open in elementary school that need help with all sorts of things. Absolutely. And we have elders who have difficulty grabbing on something that small uh-huh. and pulling it open without dumping red wine all the way down their shirt. <laughs> Which so, is not what you want. Not what you want. And so right now we're compromising by inviting people for these outdoor services to bring their own communion with them, uh-huh. picnic style. And we have some with us should someone need it that has been untouched and mm-hmm. that we're able to serve safely in individual servings. And that's where I do have plastic Dixie cups sure. and paper plates. It will be interesting yeah, how we find a way because I get it and I want people to be safe. And so I'm not going to push it, but I, I really miss handing out communion. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one thing to take it because you've brought it with you and you have it and you take communion and it's another thing to receive it and to be given communion Mm -hmm. and I miss that and I will miss it every single day for the rest of my life if it means that someone stays alive absolutely okay that's going to bring me to my last question so what of all the bits and pieces do you think you're most looking forward to in getting back to some sort of in-person worship I think there are so many pieces that remain up in the air as to how it's going to happen and what it will look like. 
so I can't say singing in harmony with other people in real time. Sure. I can't say serving communion to individuals in the line. What I can count on, and so what I will say is that I am looking forward to not preaching to a camera dot. <laughs> getting to use your whole arm. Getting to use my, extended. <laughs> my actual full wingspan of yeah. my arms and not be locked in a one foot box around my shoulders and my head. And to have the congregational participation in real time. Sure. I can get a little bit of that on Zoom sometimes, but it is so hard. And we had gotten into such a rhythm of conversational sermons. And I miss that. I miss that so much. But it is just really hard to do. And frankly, since the Zoom bombing, we've had things so much tighter Mm -hmm. security-wise that I don't risk it because I'm not actually looking at the screen sometimes or all I can see is my own face. Mm Mm-hmm because that's what is being broadcast over to Facebook. So I don't get to see everyone. And so, you know, you can't unmute yourself and you can't Mm -hmm. write in the chat because that's when harm was caused. So it makes it harder. Preaching is, is a lot harder. And so I look forward to the back and forth, the give and take, the presence together in those moments. And that won't disappear because I can do that with a mask on safely. Nice. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about blended online and in-person services. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening along. If you have questions or curiosities about this, I would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org, and we will get back to you as soon as we can. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.